Well, hey everyone, and welcome to day number 28 of our Book of Acts devotional series called Christ in the Crisis for today, today, Wednesday, May the 27th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining in with us. And as usual, I would invite you to share this uh, this feed. You will likely be watching a recording of this or you are listening to it on the podcast or Apple podcast format. Share it, please, and uh, get the word out. There's not too much information online these days about uh, the book of Acts. And uh, people are hunting around for truth all over the world. And so uh, I would challenge you to share this feed. And uh, we've been going through the book of Acts uh, as quickly as we can. Uh, we are not going to make it in time uh, for the end of the month, uh, but we'll we'll do as much as we can. So we have uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday, and then on Sunday we're going to finish with the crisis of delay, which is our Sunday service. And then at 1 p.m. we're going to have a special Zoom call where we will um, do a game. And the game is on this content of the book of Acts. And it'll be all multiple choice. So, I mean, you can you can guess and, uh, you, you know, you may be right. You have like a one in four chance if you guess. And uh, as I've said, the winner is going to receive a brand new iPad, uh, our gift. And uh, we really hope that you enjoy it. And yay, that you use it to learn the Bible more great tool to use, especially when so many people are spending so much time uh, online these days. So we are in Acts chapter 17 and uh, just finished Acts 16 with a story of the jailer in Philippi. And we're in Acts chapter 17 and we start in Thessalonica. Um, now, you've got to understand how far away this is from home. So Jerusalem, when you talk about Jerusalem to Thessalonica, you're talking upwards of 2,000 kilometers. Um, and the, the end of the chapter, Paul's going to be in Athens. So this is a long, long journey. A second missionary journey, which would start in Jerusalem and come all the way back home. He's going a far, far away. And uh, so I think it's like 3,000 kilometers or more, that journey. So we're talking way off where there is a predominance of non-Jewish people. And you're going to see that in this chapter. Um, so we're told that Paul and his companions, this would be uh, Silas and Timothy, uh, presumably had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, and they come to Thessalonica. Now, Paul would write two letters to the Thessalonians, uh, dealing a lot with the subject of death and the end of the world. And there was a Jewish synagogue there. He goes to the synagogue, which is, was, was his custom, and he talks to them about the, uh, the deity and the messiahship of Jesus. And he's, he's quite persuasive, and um, people were persuaded by his talk, and they joined Paul and Silas. Timothy is not mentioned here at this point, uh, as did a number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Interesting that Luke would speak of women uh, coming to faith here. He does so two or three times in this chapter. And, of course, <laughs> as there usually is, there is a persecution, and uh, we see that there's a jealousy of a group of Jews, and they, they create a riot. 
they head to the house where they believe that Paul and his companions are staying, looking for Paul and Silas. A man's name is Jason. And they didn't find them there, and they drag Jason out. Jason is mentioned one other time in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, in the conclusion of Romans. And uh, they cause this huge ruckus, and they drag Jason out there before the city officials, and they say, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus, who, of course, they didn't agree with. And so they're trying to stir up this Gentile crowd uh, against Paul and his companions. And they throw the whole thing, the whole city's thrown into turmoil. And the officials, they make Jason uh, and some others post bond, uh, like kind of like bail, and uh, let them go. And then they travel some more and they head to Berea. And they go into the Jewish synagogue and we're told about the Bereans, and this is a lesson for us, that the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Interesting. Why? For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women. There's a mention again of women and many Greek men. Now, uh, this is a lesson for us. The character of the Bereans was evaluated based on their understanding of the Scripture. And it says their character was of even, even more noble than the Thessalonians. And Paul has high accommodation uh he commends the thessalonians in his writings to them but here we're told by luke wow they examined the scriptures every day to see if what paul said was true and may it be so of us today who believe in this book the bible and call ourselves followers of jesus may we be examiners of the scriptures and may we verify what we're being taught, if it is true, just like those Bereans. And you see some more persecution. The Thessalonian uh, group of, of Jews who are persecuting, they head over to Berea, and they try to stir up the crowds. And uh, the believers send Paul to the, to the coast to try to hide him. But Silas and Timothy, and there's a mention of Timothy there, stayed in Berea. And uh, those who escorted Paul uh, brought him to Athens. And this is where we'll spend uh, the bulk of our time tonight. And then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Now, uh, oh good, my volumes are good, good. Um, in Athens, uh, we see, and we could spend a week just looking at Paul's address to the Athenians in the Areopagus. Um, there is so much packed in there, and here he is dealing with an audience that is quite similar to what we deal with in the 21st century. This is not a, um, a Jewish audience that he is going to end up addressing. Uh, he's going to end up with the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers and uh, people who are kind of into the latest ideas in philosophy and religion and lifestyle and it's sort of uh, to 
the equivalent of a modern day talk show. And so these are the people who he's going to minister to in this chapter. Um, And this is where we spend the bulk of it. And they say things like this to him. What is this babbler trying to say? He seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection, which they knew nothing about. And so they took him, they bring him to the Areopagus. And they say, may we know this new teaching that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. And we're told by Luke, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening about the latest ideas. Sounds like today. And so Paul stood up and he gives this incredible little sermonette but it is his approach that we can learn from today he says you know people of Athens I see that you're very religious for as I walked around I and looked carefully at your objects of worship I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you So while Paul could have condemned these people for all the idols that he saw, earlier in the chapter you see that he is, he's disturbed by the idols that he sees. And he could have taken the condemnation route and approach. He wouldn't have been wrong for doing so, but he wouldn't have had the door open to him. And so he looks at this idol to an unknown God and he says, Ah, what you do not know and what you are ignorant of, I'm about to tell you. And, of course, that had their attention. And he starts with creation. Um, He says that God doesn't live in temples built by human hands, uh, that from one man he made all nations, that he's sovereign, he appointed times in history, and so on. And God did all this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And then he does something that is, is so contemporary and so um, forward-thinking. And I think some Christian people who may be watching this broadcast or listening, we would not feel comfortable uh, with this approach maybe today. And his approach was he took some of the poetry, some of the the pagan poetry of the day, and used it as an on-road to teach people. So he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. That's not a quote from the Bible. That's a quote from a pagan poet of the day, a Greco-Roman poet who wasn't a follower of, of Yahweh at all. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So it would be the same thing of taking perhaps a contemporary song in the 21st century and taking the words and using it as an on-ramp to teach people about God. What an incredible approach he is taking. And he has an attentive audience. And he doesn't compromise. He talks about repentance. He talks about um, uh, the, the sin of idolatry. He talks about the judgment of God that will come through Jesus. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There's no compromise there at all. And he has such an attentive audience that while some of them sneer, others say, we want to hear you again on this subject. And then Paul left the council and we're told right at the end of the chapter, some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. 
Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman, Luke's fondness for naming women, a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So true to life. And uh, my friends who are, you're watching today, and again, you're maybe you're a professed follower of Jesus, you're, or you're listening, um, that's the way that it is today. We cannot control who makes a decision of faith. But what we can do is control how we convey the message of the gospel to people. Are we going to do so in a condemnatory fashion that will likely shut the door for a future conversation? Or are we going to do so in a fashion that grips the people who hear and that that puts them in a place where they want to hear more and learn more? And that can be done without compromise. That can be done without watering down the message. Paul did not water it down one bit. And some people believed, some people sneered, some didn't. But there's an attention to detail. Luke names the people who believe because those people are important. And every single individual who comes to faith in Christ is important. And even if it's one person, you know, our church, we talk about reaching the one who is far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. So again, I think for those of you who are watching, listening, who are who are Christ followers, is there one person, one person who you can say in your life, you have led that person to faith in Christ? If there isn't, you need to learn from this chapter in the book of Acts, an approach that this man used 2000 years ago that's still relevant today. So I pray that's been a blessing to you, and I look forward to being with you again tomorrow for day number 29 of our Christ in the Crisis Book of Acts devotional. Until then, God bless you.